Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jillian Damaris is the K-12 music production and engineering teacher at Maplewood Public Schools in Maplewood, Minnesota. As a former music technology graduate student at New York University, she continues to perform research in collaboration with Dr. Alex Ruthman, director of the NYU MUSED Lab, for developing curriculum, new music ensembles, and web applications. Jillian has been nationally recognized by the National Association for Music Education for her work in electronic composition and routinely presents at all state conferences and universities. It's my great pleasure to welcome Jillian to the podcast this week. So welcome to Music First's first ever live podcast. We are here from the floor of the TMEA 2023 conference, and I'm really thrilled to be joined today by Jillian Damaris. Uh, Jillian uh, taught for many years in uh, at the Hanover Middle School, but she recently moved out to Minnesota and is now at the Maplewood Public School. So Jillian, welcome to TMEA, and most importantly, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much, Jim, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm th- thrilled that you're here. I, I figured once I had all the coolest people in the same space <laughs> that we should do this, get together and, and, and record some podcasts. I've known your name for a very long time. You're out there. You're you're doing a lot of presentations, a lot of writing. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to speak with you. But before we do that, one of my favorite things to do and what the listeners kind of love mm-hmm. is hearing about the career path, uh, career trajectory. So if you can start out from like how you got interested in music, how you became a music educator, and then your path from that point forward, that would be super. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I'm so excited to be here. I'll tell you a little bit about my career path. So I'm actually the fourth generation of musicians in my family. Uh, Primary instrument of those is drums, uh, and I decided to pursue flute uh, to be kind of the outlier, but absolutely loved my journey as well. Uh, So with that, I studied flute through college. And uh, in that time, I really fell in love with music technology more and more. Mm -hmm. My mom is actually a drummer and a DJ. So she always was someone I looked up to. And uh, I wanted to continue to pursue kind of a non-traditional music path Mm -hmm. in that time. So I took a gap year and studied with a composer, non-traditional music instruments and methods. I ended up coming back to my college after that and started applying those methods in some of the courses that I was taking. So we ended up doing uh, music technology integration wind controller ensemble, uh, which is really exciting. So where, I started that. Where did that. you go to school? I, that was actually at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Oh, very yeah. cool. So we awesome. started that. And then we also applied some MIDI controllers to our wind ensemble that we had there as well. I took a graduate music technology course and just full, fell full throttle into it. Awesome. Absolutely loved it. Uh, and beyond that, I started my first year teaching, uh, applied some of those methods that I learned in my classes, but then slowly integrated 
appreciated music technology because it was something I was doing outside of teaching. And eventually it just became an uh, integrated part of my curriculum. So now we have a full-scale music production and engineering program at Maplewood Public Schools, oh, very cool. uh, teaching K through 12. It's been exciting. The students have absolutely loved it, and I've loved every part of the journey. That's absolutely cool. So how long did you teach in Massachusetts before you made the move uh, recently to Minnesota? Yeah, just about six years. Mm -hmm. Okay, all at the middle school level? Uh, pretty much. So my first year actually taught K through five. So oh, cool. I, I mean, it was amazing being able to teach elementary as well. And for whatever reason, it's always been a passion of mine, uh, just getting to experience those younger kids and seeing their creative excitement when it comes to music uh, right. and then uh, kind of applying that to middle school has been a journey. So you did something that a lot of American music or students in general don't do, and that's the gap year. I'm married to uh, a British woman, and my mom's British, and they all do um, gap years, or many, many kids do a gap year where they try to figure things out. You, It sounds to me like you took a very, uh, not a very non-traditional path, but not necessarily what every kid does. They graduate high school and they go right into college. You kind of did a creative gap year, right? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was your own decision? Was that a parental influence? Or you said, you know what, I'm not quite ready, let me figure this out. Because it's such a cool, it's in England, it's the norm to do that, to figure things out. And in the United States, it isn't, I think it's a huge mistake. I would love for more kids to do it, but you know, what, what prompted the gap year? Because it's just, I'm sorry to focus on it, it's just so interesting. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I felt really constrained in the programs that I was in. And of course, I've always loved classical music. I've loved jazz music my whole life. and. Uh, just the experience of being able to incorporate music technology and those popular genres right. just wasn't present in the current program that right. I was in. Right. So I really wanted that opportunity for myself. And so I took advantage of taking time and really learning from an external source. Right. Uh, it was really, really challenging though personally because I had to relinquish some of those relationships that I had built. Yep. Uh, a, a lot of people did not support that journey. Right. Even my parents struggled yeah, with the yeah. idea of that for me because they were unsure whether I was going to complete that program right. and finish with a degree. Um, but I knew inside my heart it was something I really wanted to do and it has taken me miles. So That's awesome. I'm really grateful for it. And so just quickly before we move into your current teaching situation, um, UMass Amherst uh, is a great program. Um, I did not know, I'll be really honest, I did not know that music technology was such a big part because in my head, the program there's a traditional music ed program. It is. Well, yeah, so what was, did you like push the needle there and say, I need this stuff? Or like, how did, how did, it, it, it almost sounds like a square peg and round hole kind of thing <laughs> where you're just like, no, this is what I, I've studied composition, I love music technology, I, I want to do something. Did you forge your own path? Do you feel supported? I mean, I love the people there, but I'm just interested in your experience there. Yeah. Yeah, I really just told them what I was capable of when I returned and you know everything that I had kind of done in that time and I realized there was such a need and a desire for that uh, and it was so great that they opened a space and an opportunity for me to share that with them so they said absolutely start a club after school if you want to do electronic music ensemble right. or if you want to provide electronic music instruments as part of our ensemble maybe we can pick a piece that would incorporate that oh, and cool. they did 
ecstatic waters, which ended up being such a blast. Awesome. Uh, really intense and difficult at times because I was still somewhat new, really entrenched in it, but um, doing it as a performance act is a lot different than being in a studio and taking your time right. creating a piece. So right. it was a wonderful challenge, and I stepped up to the plate, and yeah, that's awesome. So, and did you go straight into the graduate program, or did you start teaching and then went back? Yeah, so I started teaching actually, Excellent. and that's when I decided, uh, you know, I'm almost there where I need to start a graduate program, just part of a Massachusetts right. protocol, yep, yep. and decided, okay, maybe I'll see what's out there. And I gotta say, it was really challenging to find a program that would fulfill my needs. Right. But uh, when I started at NYU, it just oh, it opened my uh, eyes. Oh, you went to NYU. Yes. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So that, you knew Alex Ruthman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. he was one of the first professors that I met on campus when I visited, and just Oh my goodness, it was an incredible opportunity. He just sat at his desk and spent about an hour telling me all of the things that he developed and he was just so excited yeah. about music technology education. And just from that experience of being with a passionate individual, I knew that I would connect there as well. So, so. you moved from, from the, the suburbs of, of Boston, I guess, to New York City? And actually, or, or I went was it part-time? The summertime oh, is actually awesome. when I went. So I taught full-time throughout the school year oh, and then I cool. shipped myself right out to New York Lower East Side there and you go. went back to school myself. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Alex is great. Alex, if you're listening, man, you, you, you've had a big influence on a lot of people, so it's really cool. Absolutely. So you you started in K-5. Did you do technology with those kids? or? Absolutely, yeah. We started by using web apps, so I'm sure many listeners know right. of Chrome Music Lab, but that's yep. actually an app that was developed in the Music Ed Lab at yep. NYU, yep. so I knew a lot about it at the time, that's so awesome. I just went right in and started using it with my kids. Kids. And then we started using Soundtrap pretty quickly after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that for me felt really comfortable because I'd been coming from programs like Logic and Ableton, which are very, very challenging. Right. Lots of advanced features, but Soundtrap is very streamlined and it's pretty easy for students to pick up right away. So right. I've been using Soundtrap primarily in my past recent years okay. of teaching, yeah. So you're, then you taught at Hanover Middle School for a couple years. Yep. And then you made the jump. Um, mm -hmm. to, to beautiful Minnesota. Um, before I get into like specifically what you're doing with your kids right now, I'd love to know, because I, I think this is an important question, and that's what you think the role of music technology is uh, in any music program. It doesn't have to be you know, performance, general music. Like, Where does music tech fit in, in from your perspective, Jillian? Oh, yeah. I mean, I believe music technology is a tool and shouldn't replace any existing programs that already are happening right now. Uh, but I do feel like it's a great way to just supplement um, any sort of program. And for me, I, I would love to see in the next 10 years schools that are providing a space for recording, for non-traditional music ensemble, for audio engineering even, mixing and mastering. These are all roles that are so huge in the music industry right now. And allowing that other 80% of students who aren't in those traditional programs uh, to be involved in music practices and whether they pursue that or whether they're lifelong learners of music, just allowing that access is so important to me as an educator, whether I'm talking to teachers or whether I'm uh, having those conversations with my students and encouraging them to pursue whatever it is they want through music. So, so you mentioned uh, one of my favorite research studies, Rick Dammers and, and David Williams, the other 
and mm -hmm. um, you know it, it's it's really important to me it's something that I've been trumpeting as much as I possibly can <laughs> I'd love to get your take Jillian on um, where do you like for for a lot of music teachers they hear that 80 other uh, 80 percent they're like yeah that that, that conceptually it's fine mm -hmm. but how on earth am i going to i'm already slammed i've got way too many classes right. what would your ideal like okay we're going to do it we're going to open the doors we're going to get all these non-traditional kids what is your kind of idea of how that would happen in a music school like how is it more staff is it more you know like if Boom, all right, they're all in now. What, what would you do? Because a lot of music teachers, like performance ensemble direct, directors that I've spoken to go, Jim, you gotta ease up on the other 80% because we don't have the ability to teach those kids. So mm -hmm. what, like, what, what do you think would be a good way to get to them? Oh my goodness. Well, to start, I would say it's really important to just start by providing a space for that. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you're running a traditional music program like an orchestra band or a choir, I mean, just starting simply with a web application and encouraging students to start learning just the technology and how it can be applied to what they're learning in class. And then going on and you know figuring out how a workstation can be involved in your program. I mean, small bits is going to get to get us to kind of an endpoint, which hopefully is where we see in about a decade or right. so, where these programs are invested in every single school. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting right now, just discussing how music production can be a part of programs that, you know, I feel like a lot of teachers are are trying to make sure that their traditional programs are being advocated for and staying alive. Absolutely. Um, they're, again, supposed to only be a supplement, these types of tools. Right. So uh, any possible small way that they can be used is going to be, in large, a huge uh, deal to the students that exist right. in our schools. And, you know, for me, uh, getting the opportunity to be a general music teacher was an automatic way that I could reach out to that other 80%. Yep. Uh, so I had it in Hanover about 800 students that I was, you know, directing and trying to encourage this type of music learning. And I found every single experience that I had in those classrooms with that many kids was successful. Yep. Uh, and because they were able to kind of modify their own learning, uh, go at their own pace, and, you know, really engage with each other in this kind of collaborative, creative way of making music. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to hire two or three full-time teachers to be like a music tech person and a music production person. Mm -hmm. I think you just said, you just pointed out something really important is that the general music um, environment, which for many ensemble directors is like the the, the thing they least want to do. Right. Um, it was the case for me. I when I when I was told I had to teach general music, I was like, wow. I, I just want to be a band director. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I clung on to technology in my general music classes because I was like, how do I get these kids excited and motivated and engaged? And I was like, well, this is what makes me motivated and engaged, <laughs> so maybe it'll work with the kids. So it's not necessarily you know, building classrooms, building production facilities. It's like a small step, like you mm -hmm. said, maybe incorporating it into your general music class. And then maybe wouldn't it be a great problem if you had so many kids that wanted to take a music technology class or music production class that you had to go to your superintendent and say, we need another faculty member that exactly. can do this. Exactly. 
Oh my goodness, I could not agree more, especially with the fact that there are so many teachers out there that have studied through these traditional collegiate programs, right. music education, uh, and you know the the fact that general music has been so specifically between K through five. Um, it would be really nice to see that development of, of hiring full-time faculty within the middle school and high school area that can be in a specialized music production class or something of the sort. I mean, we're seeing it pop up everywhere in high school, which is incredible. Um, but obviously middle school is, is a type of area that would really develop strongly from having that type of program. Right. So listeners, you could probably hear all this background noise. We're on the floor of, of one of the largest music teacher conventions in, in the world. Um, and yesterday, Jillian, you presented as part of the TMEA Time uh, Annual Conference. And when we're here in this environment, we, we had this great ceremony last night where we honored Heath Jones, the Teacher of the Year. I'm sure you'll be there one day. That's just a plug. Anyone listening at Time, Jillian's, uh, you know, come on. Anyway, <laughs> the, um, but my point is it's a lot of like-minded individuals. We're all sitting around like we're all, you know, we're all preaching to the choir here. Um, but, you know, it's... To me, I think that because, you know, switching to the pandemic, just real quick, because a lot of music teachers had to use technology just to keep their 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 gig, um, uh, you know, it's not such a bad thing. And even though there's some parts you probably want to forget forever, uh, there's some really great things that technology can do to enhance your program. So question I have for you, it, it may not be easy to answer because you're new at Maplewood, but like how, what was the impact of, you know, learning remotely uh, on, on your program at Hanover? Um, you know, did, do you feel like there's any carryover at Maplewood, maybe your predecessor? Um, you know, for us music tech people, what I was trying to get to before is we knew exactly what to do on March 13th, 2020, because oh, we've been yeah. doing it, right? <laughs> right? But what did you, what did, how was your program impacted and, and what is it like at Maplewood and, you know, from what you know about them? Right, right. Well, I would like to start at Hanover because my primary That's where experience was, through right. the pandemic <laughs> was there. Yeah. So when we started off remotely, uh, it, like you said, it wasn't challenging at all because we had already been kind of doing things remotely right. using an LMS and being able to send music projects back and forth right. and kind of integrate them in uh, this music technology learning. So throughout that time, I actually sort of enjoyed that experience of being able to do things virtually in a new way. Yep. Uh, and there is a future in that as well. I mean, you, you're seeing virtual learning schools all the time now mm -hmm. popping up, yep. um, providing that opportunity, not only for adults, which has been around for a while, but also now for kids. Um, so I would say by the time we've returned back to school, nothing had really changed. All those systems and curriculums had been in place. Right. Uh, the one thing that we really did have a challenge with was those relationships. Mm. Uh, you know, we didn't really have a chance to build on those, and that is such a critical part of teaching, is. is being able to have that. So uh, it's been kind of challenging the past couple of years seeing students who not only at uh, learning level that's probably one grade lower than the, what they should be at, right. uh, but also, too, really struggling from anxiety and depression 
depression yep. and trauma and yep. the particular school that I'm at uh, almost 97% of students have a learning disability uh, a lot wow. of them have behavioral uh, trauma as right. well and that was only exacerbated with the pandemic right of course um, and there's a statistic now that over 76% of schools are reporting that students are suffering from these issues so um, it's really important for us as music ed music educators to think about what we can do to provide for all of our students and if the bulk of them are kind of suffering with this sort of long-term uh, situation past the pandemic uh, it's really you know ideal for us to think about how we can now provide methods to heal them in a way uh, and it turns out that songwriting is one of the most powerful methods Indeed. of music therapy uh, and especially just any repetitive movement activity uh, for students that are going day to day walking from class to class and experiencing that kind of lecture environment to engage them in something that allows them to move and feel and experience that collaborativeness between their peers um, whether that's in an ensemble but for the students who are not enrolled in ensembles right. something that they can really really feel a connection to and empathy to and kind of help to heal the, the past trauma that they might have experienced through that pandemic. Um, so that's that's especially my hope right. uh, for the next coming years that we can look to music technology as a, a vehicle, as a resource uh, for helping students work through the, the trouble of the two years. Yeah, I mean, through. you know, they need love, they need empathy, they need to be seen, they need to be heard. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the, the creative process um, and the working through the musical representation of the way they feel, the lyric representation of the way they feel, mm -hmm. is one of the, uh, probably the most critical things uh, that teachers can be doing. I, you know, you could do it with creative writing, you do it with dance and theater, but I, I just think we're, we're like such a perfect place for um, kids to heal. Absolutely. Uh, and, 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 and writing their own music and talking about it, um, I think it's a great way to get started on that road. Absolutely. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, a couple of different tech projects that you do with your kids because, you you know, you, you come to all these shows, you do presentations, you're writing articles, you're, you're out there, people have heard of you, and, and, and it's because you do great things. So if you could just go over some of the different things you do with your kids that get them excited, that'd be great. Absolutely, yeah. So like I was saying before, we love to use Soundtrap, which is a web-based digital audio workstation. Uh, we do a lot of projects within recording. Uh, more recently, we've been, done, excuse me, been doing beat making, uh, which is using the Novation Launchpad Pros, which awesome. we received this year. Oh, very, very exciting, cool. yeah. Uh, we've also done sequencing projects. Uh, just recently, we did a project that incorporated YouTube, uh, which used uh, 3D audio samples, so oh, students wow. had to match uh, the, the samples that they heard in the video to where they were located in and surround sound and 3D audio. Yeah, oh, wow. so that was really cool, and they also created a soundtrack that went along with that. That's great for uh, kind of creating a project that engages students who are interested in gaming, because so much gaming uh, just has that now. Right. It's integrated as part of it. So that was really cool. Uh, our high schoolers are using Ableton, uh, so they're learning a lot about how to navigate plugins. Also, 
too, using audio and MIDI effects has been a good step for them. There's uh, some, there, for those of you that don't know Ableton, first of all, get the trial of Ableton Live Intro mm -hmm. and play around. There are, in the MIDI effects, you can hold down like a middle C, and the middle effects, you can do all MIDI effects, you can do like arpeggios, reverse arpeggios, how many notes in the arpeggio, and when you hold down a whole chord and you hear what what Ableton can do with it, kids freak out. Oh, yeah. Suddenly they sound like their their favorite pop artist because they're like, <laughs> oh, that's how they made this. Right, right. Yeah, I, I love it. And 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 having those uh, the launch pads or the the pushes. You're using pushes, is that? Uh, launch pads are similar to the Ableton push. Yeah. They're just a little less expensive, right. uh, and that's why we just went for them. As yeah, a we we sell, we recently brought on launch pads. Uh, we we sell launch pads now, and uh, I think they're absolutely fabulous devices. It doesn't require the the tyranny of the keyboard, mm -hmm. so they don't need to necessarily know what a C major scale is. They just have buttons. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah, very cool. I'm sorry to interrupt. You keep going with the different no, projects. Of course, of course, yeah. And I was going to say another fun thing to do in Ableton as well is using the auto filters. Oh Those gosh. are a lot of fun. The low pass and high pass filters. Yep. Students are so excited when they get to hear a song that they love or a sample that they really are developing and they can just change the sound so drastically with that. Yep. Uh, that was actually one of the first things that I did in GarageBand. It got me so excited yeah. about music making because right. I could make sounds that I heard on the radio. Right. Uh, so I felt like I was really progressing quickly, even though it was my first day. Right, very cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so recording and editing is a huge part of what we do as well. I have a lot of students who love to rap. Uh, so helping them develop their lyric style is important, and then how to record properly, how to use a microphone. These are all techniques that they can then carry on into their music-making practices at home. So yep. I have an amazing student named Shane. He's an incredible rapper, and I've seen him develop from day one, always coming in to class and asking me about suggestions that I might have uh, for how to record, and he ended up getting a set for Christmas, which was exciting oh, for cool. him. Very so now cool. not only can he record at school, but now at home, so he's progressing extremely quickly. Right. He's got his music on SoundCloud. It's just, it's incredible to see that, right. even just in a few short months. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, um, obviously sample uh, tools are really useful in Ableton mm. as well with the session view and arrangement view. Right. So we were able to explore that as well. Cool. Uh, there's a great website called Splice. Uh, which can be used for downloading loops yep. and sounds if you want to focus on sample-based music. I have a student who absolutely loves dubstep. Okay. Uh, so we're able to find a lot of sounds within that as well, just to kind of get her started and kind of exploring that avenue and then kind of recreating those sounds in the DAW. Right. Um, that was amazing. But yeah, those launch pads are fantastic for beat making, melody writing, chord writing. Uh, there's a couple of different modes on there where students can create melodies chromatically. So right. you have the notes and they're all labeled by octave with a different color. So it's very visually uh, yep. appealing and as well as that, it's easy to understand. Uh, and then there's a chord mode where it will actually generate chords for you. So really exciting if you're into lo-fi music and you want to add your seventh chords. Right. And all you got to do is press one pad and it will generate all of them for you. So the mechanics of what you're doing, um, you, you teach K-12? 
I do, Right, yeah. so what is the age group where you start with the kind of production or, or composition? Are you doing it with kindergartners or, or are you doing it with mostly high school, middle school, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have started as early as kindergarten some of the technology terms. So we're not necessarily getting into the workstation right. yet, right. Uh, but I'm introducing what is sound as an interdisciplinary right. lesson right. yet. And then obviously there's other ways that you can engage students in terms other than just plainly explaining what they are because they can be very abstract. So um, obviously using those web apps is great, like Chrome Music Club has a sound waves app oh, where students can yeah. see yeah, exactly. what, their, what their voice sounds like. Right, right, and, and see how molecules move and how sound works and how pitch uh, changes how molecules move and things right. like that. Uh, and then being able to expand off of that. So we did a lesson where we actually were singing and dancing to terms that <laughs> they might have not necessarily connected to otherwise. Right. So um, I actually created like a very simple song that incorporated uh, how molecules move based uh, on pitch. And cool. so then we used uh, just classroom instruments, a high-pitched, I think, uh, triangle we used in a low-pitched drum, uh, and they would move based on how molecules move. So right. the higher the pitch, the faster the movement. So kids would move very fast, and then I would play the, um, the drum, and then students would move really slow. So they're kind of connecting with movement as right. well. Right. Um, a very simple activity, something that you would see in game plan or any of the curriculum books, but right. maybe just not connected directly to science or a term right. that they're familiar with. So really cool. Uh, and then obviously you get to middle school and they are fully entrenched in the music production right. process, right. but in a very interactive way because middle schoolers still need that as well. So the general music classes though, are they like marking periods, like 10 week marking periods? Are they with you all year? I have them all year in fact, yeah. Oh my goodness, every <laughs> day? A, every day, yeah, it's a very, very busy schedule. Uh, the lessons are- So it's a small school. It's a, Yeah, I'm currently in a smaller school. Okay, but goodness it, it, gracious. Yeah, yeah, but it's Every. for K through 12, yeah. Are they multiple grades in one class? Yeah, so I will see certain classes bundled up together. Okay. So okay. I'll see like Goodness. K through one and two through three, right. which thankfully for me, and I've recognized this from teaching K through five and five through eight and so on, that it's okay to kind of bundle them up for yep. certain yep. activities yep. 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 when it comes to music production. Now, when it comes to uh, different aspects within general music, yeah, obviously it's, it's going to be better to go grade by grade. Right. But for me, I, I feel like like they've progressed all the same. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so, worked man, very you're, well. So you have like, so you have, um, uh, like you'll be teaching 11th and 12th grade one period, and then the next period you'll be doing kindergarten to first grade? <laughs> yeah, so my day starts off with the kindergarten level, and as the lessons go by, I eventually older get and older. to, yeah, oh, older and older, so cool. get to high school. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that, that's a very unique, uh, I'm sure you realize how unique of a oh, teaching yeah, situation yeah. I mean, having come from a charter school, going right. to a public school right. for a few years, and now being in this situation, I really feel like I, I have had such an incredible experience as an educator now, knowing what it feels like to teach all the grade levels. Right. Not only that, too, but also just getting the experience of working with 
uh, students with disabilities right. and getting to focus on that, that That's accessibility awesome. piece. And, and um, do you have any performance ensemble duties or is it all general music? So we have our own kind of performance that we'll put together and so that's a really great point. When I was at Hanover, I actually started uh, working one-on-one -on -one with the art teachers. So not only did we create a green screen space so that students oh, could cool. do kind of an audio video component that's to right. their classes, but also too, we were able to incorporate a music showcase as part of the art oh, festival right. that we had in yeah. April. Uh, so that was really exciting. We had the community come on over. We had displays of the students' projects. And we had a launch pad with Ableton set up so actually parents could come over and uh, click on a number and it would play the students' project that they could see oh, up there cool. on the bulletin. Oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, it was really just an awesome opportunity to not only engage those students and have them experience that music in the open, which is right. so right. new for them, right. uh, but also, too, being able to have that visual impact for administration and for parents to know what's going on here. Right. Uh, so that was really exciting. So we've continued that at Maplewood as well. We had a showcase there um, this past winter and uh, up as well as that performances right. yep. from the younger grades. Uh, we've been learning ukulele as wow, well. Cool. Uh, so that's going to be part of the performance that's coming up in March. So yeah, performance is obviously such an important piece of a program because students have something to work towards, right. uh, but again, music technology is just a way to supplement yep. that process. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, you uh, you're using a lot of big words here, Jillian. A lot of music tech nerds are nodding, and a lot of other people who are not in the nerd herd are sitting here going, "What on earth is Jillian talking about?" So, I need to know how did you learn all this stuff? Is it from that gap year? Is it is it? just diving in the deep end, like, what is your advice to teachers who are listening to you going, well, I'll never know as much about technology as Jillian? Like, you know, what, 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 what advice would you give uh, to teachers on how to learn this stuff and how to incorporate it? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, this comes down to having access at, you know, at your undergraduate level yep. of being able to use music technology. But if you haven't had that, and again, and I was most in that teachers haven't. I yeah, mean, yeah, I've been in that same situation, right? So I had to kind of make that opportunity for myself. So how I started is I just, I started watching tutorials. That was really my interest uh, when I first got oh, into right. the DAW. Right. Um, but for teachers who just want to get started using it in their classrooms, I mean, like I said before, I mean, using something as basic as a web app. Um, so for me, like when I first started learning, I was kind of exploring what was out there that I could just kind of make music right away. Right. And then I got invested in understanding how the DAW could be useful to what I do. Uh, and then I just kind of dove in right there. So if you're a teacher who is interested in figuring out how the DAW could be useful in your classroom, you know, kind of figure out what's best for your school. Band Lab is free. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a free DAW. It's online. Uh, students could use it tomorrow right. as long as they have internet access. If you wanted something that had a little bit more versatility, using maybe a subscription-based uh, web browsed, right. like Soundtrap, yeah. a DAW, that would be ideal. Um, also, too, if you have the money and you want to invest in software for desktop computers, you could definitely get Ableton or Logic. Yeah. And then what do you do, right? Once right. you have right, the right, tools, right. okay, how are we going to do it? So, again, study as much as you can, whether that's go to technology sessions at your local conference right. like TMEA, or sign up for webinars, read books, watch tutorials like I did when I first started. Uh, you know, those are all great ways to kind of get 
get your foot in the door with how to use this and then start using it in the classroom right yeah, away. I mean, you're go gonna have it. students who are gonna guide you through this process as well. And I've had to be vulnerable at times and say, you know, guys, I, I don't know how to do that actually, right. you know. And, and most music teachers, that's like the worst thing you can dream know, of saying. But right? it, it, it really- um, It's relinquishing that control yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And that's really uncomfortable when you're in front of 30 students and sure you wanna is. have yeah. all the answers. But I mean, technology is constantly growing and changing every single day. So there's no possible way that we can always stay on top of those changes. So the best we can do is just take the knowledge that we have and continue to build off of it and have our students be our best resources, our best teachers yep. even. Uh, so definitely, and uh, finding a space for students is important as well. So if you can provide that opportunity, whether it's after school starting a music tech program, um, if you have that opportunity to speak with an administrator and say, hey, I think we need another full-time staff to yep. have a general music class. This is blowing up in my class, right. and I really want to provide more students at our school with that opportunity. You know, providing that is so ideal. Yeah. And then if you want to start an electronic live ensemble like Will Kuhn and his incredible yeah, group, EMG. you know, EMG, <laughs> go for it. You know, right. that's another great way to engage students, especially if they're already in those traditional ensembles, and you know, all you really need to do is add a computer, maybe incorporate a couple of uh, controllers, mm -hmm. and those kids will be off and running pretty quickly. I gotta say, once I got my first piano controller, it was pretty easy for me to start not only songwriting, but also doing live things as well. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's how I was able to jump into those college ensembles and start using that tech. Right. Uh, so really, really great opportunities. Cool. Yeah. So my last question to you, Jillian, is a question I ask everyone. It's the magic wand question. <laughs> I'm really interested because, you know, we've done a lot of talking about DAWs and Soundtrap and Ableton, um, as well as some other stuff. Um, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want uh, music technology, music first, Soundtrap, whatever it is, to be able to do that it can't do now? That's a wonderful question. <laughs> it's hard. Everyone, it I, every, really some hard. people get really mad when I ask. It, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, and just from the perspective of someone who has had to do so much DIY learning in music tech, uh, providing more professional development opportunities is such an important piece of what's happening right now. Yep. And for me as a teacher, even though I am going through my school day full time uh, and shipping myself off to Texas right, right. To, to put on a presentation, making the effort to do that, uh, you know, there's something really powerful to say in regards to teachers who are as well doing that, yep. uh, taking the time to not only be in school working every single day, uh, but also to uh, being able to take the time to put together presentations and share with their colleagues everything that they've done in their classrooms yep. and share that knowledge and share that passion. Uh, there's something to say for that. So uh, whether it's getting clinicians, more clinicians to come into state conferences to teach about this technology, uh, but also also too, engaging with undergraduate music education majors, providing them more opportunities for music technology clinics and resources as they're continuing through their programs that may not be adapting quite yet to using music technology right away. Uh, also, too, more EDU-compliant instructional materials yeah. are important as well. Uh, again, as someone who had to kind of sift through YouTube to find right. appropriate tutorials that right. I could learn from, right. uh, it would be really nice to have that experience of 
watching a video that I know is a trusted educator that not only incorporates, okay, how do I use this technology, but then how can I use it in my classroom right away? Right, I right. mean, the, the teachers that are up there doing the professional development, they're doing that, but it's only for an hour. It's not being recorded. Right. And, you know, the experience to have that would be so valuable, not only to teachers, but also to students, too. That could be something that teachers could put on their presentation board and say, hey, I, you know, maybe I can't explain this as well, but maybe so-and-so can. Right. And, and being able to show that to kids. So, Jillian, you're the first person ever to say that more training is the magic wand. So I absolutely <laughs> love that answer because yeah. normally it's something very esoteric and like, I wish this button did this. <laughs> okay, yeah. But what I'd like to do, though, in, in kind of wrapping up with you today is that what I think is so great about you specifically and I think many music teachers should follow your lead, is that you weren't afraid to say, hey, I do some cool stuff in my classroom, maybe others would be interested. And I think a lot of music teachers feel almost, um, not necessarily, uh, intimidated would be the word I would use, that, that they're thinking that no one else would be interested in what they do, what successful projects they do with their kids. And whether it's music tech, whether it's ukulele, whether it's kazoo, it doesn't matter. Right. But I think a lot, of, a lot of music teachers should step up and say, hey, I do some cool stuff. I'll post a blog about it, I'll post on Facebook about it, I'll, I'll go to a conference like this and do a session. Don't be afraid. And, and you know, the, the way I know you is because I see your online persona, your, your conference persona, right. and like me, you're just a music teacher, but you, you're not afraid to, to, to share what you're doing with the world. Yeah, it's so valuable being right. able to share that content. And for me, I had to kind of push myself to share those lessons because, you know, of course I had those thoughts of, you know, what are people going to think? Right, and right. is this too young for them? I mean, yesterday at my session, I was rapping in front of everyone, which I've never done before. Right, right, right. And I almost had to, like, psych myself into that right. because, you know, I had those th same thoughts, like, oh my gosh, this is this And they probably too... roared laughing. I mean, they're probably right. loving loving <laughs> yeah, every are, second of it. Are they going to make fun of me yeah, for this right, for, right. like, years to come? Yeah. No. By the way, I rap not. in almost every single <laughs> session, so it's good. Right? I mean, I do it with my kids, and it gets them engaged sure and excited, so I thought, hey, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm going to see the response, and I got to say, I had so many teachers coming up to me saying, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for putting yourself out there. You've made such an impact on me, and I look forward That's to awesome. going ahead and sharing not only my materials, but also too just uh, engaging more in the in this community, cool. which is growing vastly. So I encourage all the listeners out there to take their time and and develop those lessons. But please do, you know, share what you have. Don't be afraid yeah. and uh, connect with those individuals out there who are seeking help. And I think the more that we can become a community in this kind of growing innovation yep. of music technology, I think the better off we're all going to be. Now, so before I let you go, Jillian, people are probably listening going, oh my God, you're, I, I, love, I love everything she's saying. Do you have a website where all your stuff is? Yeah, yeah. So I started a website a couple years ago. It's called Sound Tech Ed, and that's one word together. I will, link it, I will link it in the description, <laughs> my friend. Soundteched.com. Yeah, it's still developing. 
thing. Of course, I've only kind of started this my own, so it's a, a website builder, and I've put as many resources as I possibly can up there. Um, but you can contact me at any time if you're looking for any additional resources that you might not have gotten from a session right. or uh, that you are interested in, even just from this podcast. I'd be so happy to communicate with you. And I'm always looking for educators who are just interested in having those conversations, yep. you know, because I think it starts there. Uh, just feeling like what they do can be validated, feeling the encouragement and the excitement to pursue that next step and try something new because uh, we're all in the same boat together. That's right. Jillian, thank you so much for taking your time out of uh, this busy TMEA time conference. You're fabulous. I have a, <laughs> I have a, a my, my cheeks are hurting from smiling so much. Um, and again, first live podcast we've ever done. So thanks for doing it. Oh, and I wish you, you a great, uh, great years ahead. And, and I hope to see you on the, at, at another conference soon. Oh, you bet you will. Uh, you take care. <laughs> thanks. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.